Today we are um, going back to base camp. This is our last Sunday in our base camp series for this year. And in this series where the idea is base camp is if you're on a journey, if you're on a climbing expedition, you need base camp, a place um, that, that you can go to and you can refresh and you can make sure that the foundation is there for your journey ahead. And so, so in the church, it's really important for us to know what we believe, to know why we believe it, and as we journey together to be the people of God, we need to know and, and ha- be solid on our foundation. So we're at base camp, and, and thus far, this is a, th- this sounds terrible, this is a three-year series, but it's a month each year where we're looking at our articles of faith. So far, we've talked about who God is, we've talked about the scriptures, and then over the last several weeks, we've talked about our journey and God's grace in our journey along the way. So I've talked about you, and I've talked about me and our personal journey, Today, I want to talk about us. Article 11 in in the Articles of Faith of the Church of the Nazarene is the church. Let me start by just giving you a quick report. This week was district assembly. And for those of you that have no clue what district assembly is, we are a part of the Nazarene church, and the Nazarene church is made up of lots of different districts all around um, the globe, and we are a part of the Southwest Ohio District Church of the Nazarene. So that's Dayton, Cincinnati, a little bit out east and over to Indiana. And so every year we come together and we hear reports of what God's doing in the church. We talk about what's coming in the, in the year to come and we worship together. So I just wanna say as we get ready to talk about the church, I just wanna tell you that this week at District Assembly, I was incredibly proud to be a part of this church. There are churches that are bigger than us There are churches that have more money that are wealthier than us. There are churches that are a lot cooler than us. Some churches, they all look like Jay and wear their white tennis shoes when they they get up on the platform. A lot cooler. But this is the best church. And and I don't don't say that half-heartedly. This is a wonderful church. And do you know why it's wonderful? You guys. We have a loving, we have a generous, we have a serving, we have a family church. And so I am just so thankful for you. I want to say that as we start looking at the church. So I'm going to read Article 11. You can follow along on the screen there. And we got a couple of longer readings. Just bear with me here. Article 11 says, we believe in the church, the community that confesses Jesus Christ as Lord, the covenant people of God made new in Christ, the body of Christ called together by the Holy Spirit through the word. God calls the church to express its life in the unity and fellowship of the spirit and worship through preaching the word, observance of the sacraments and ministry in his name by obedience to Christ, holy living and mutual accountability. The mission of the church in the world is to share in the redemptive and reconciling ministry of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. The church fulfills its mission by making, making disciples through evangelist, evangelism, education, showing compassion, working for justice, and bearing witness to the kingdom of God. We are the church. Are you glad to be a part of the church today? Do you believe that we are God's holy church today? So we're going to look today at John chapter 17. 
And, and once again, this is a pretty long passage, but what John chapter 17 is, is it's a prayer. It's actually Jesus' prayer right before he's going to be arrested and right before he goes to the cross. In John chapter 17, we have this lengthy prayer where Jesus is praying to the Father. And in this prayer, Jesus prays, get the, this is incredible, get ready. Jesus prays for us. Did you know that Jesus prays for us? John chapter 17. This is right before. He, he knows where he's going. He knows he's going to be arrested. He knows he's going to the cross to die. He knows he will be resurrected, and he knows that ultimately he's going to be with the Father, and he takes the time to pray for us, his people, the church. And so John chapter 17, I, I just... I was thinking about that. Why would Jesus take the time? Why was it so important before Jesus went to the cross, why would he take the time to pray for us? I know you guys know the answer to this, but, but I want you to hear it again today. Jesus took the time to pray for us because he loves us, because we were his mission. He came for us. That's the first reason. But Jesus also prays for us, not just because he came for us, but because we are his chosen people to continue the work that he's done. So Jesus came to earth, his mission was to redeem us, and he prays for us because he loves us and because he knows that when he goes to the Father, it's our job to continue his work. That's why he prays for us. Listen, if nobody's told you today, you are loved. You are a child of God. And the creator of the universe, the savior of the universe, prays for you. Does that make you understand the importance of what's happening here? Jesus prays for us. So I'm going to read this. I want you to follow with me. If, let, me, let me do this. If you have your phone or you have a device or you have a Bible, I want you to open it up and I want you to turn to John chapter 17. Maybe it's the Bible app on your phone. It'll just help you because this is a pretty long passage and I want you to stick with me. If you don't have that, just follow with me on the screen and let's see what Jesus prays for his church. We're going to start in verse 6. It says, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, this is Jesus talking to the Father, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you, for I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them, through God's people. Let me read that again. Glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by your, the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe. By that name you gave me, none has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that Scripture would be fulfilled. 
Verse 13, I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. Verse 20, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you loved me. Now, I know that that is a long passage, but that's Jesus' prayer for us. That's Jesus' prayer for the church. It starts praying for his disciples, but then you see in there, I pray for all who will believe in me through their message. This is for us. This is for the church. And the reason we're reading this, the reason we're looking at this, is that this tells us who we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to do, and what the result of it is. So let's start. There's three parts. Part one is our identity. We're going to work through this quickly. I had, last night I had a sermon, and I looked at it, and I said, that is at least a 45-minute sermon, and I tried to do this as best I could, and I'm going to try to get it to you a little quicker than 45 minutes. Part one, our identity. Verse six, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of, your, out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and listen to this, they have obeyed your word. That's important. Remember that, they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you, for I gave them your words and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you and they believed that you sent me. So let's just start right there. We're talking about our identity as the church. What makes us God's people? What makes us the church? Is it the fact that we got up this morning and we got dressed and we came to a building called a church? Is that what makes us the church? Is it that we wear the right clothes or we we stay away from certain things and do the right things? Is that what makes us the church? What we see here is that what makes us the church is obeying the Word of God and believing in Christ as our Lord and Savior. That's what makes the church of the church. There are plenty of people walking around today claiming to be the church, and they are not the church because they are not in full obedience to God's Word, and they are not centered on Christ as their Lord and Savior. Anything other than those two things is a fake, a phony. It's not... God's holy people. 
So let's just stop there. If what makes us the church is obedience to God's word and being centered on Christ as our Lord and Savior, and that's bigger than just saying I'm centered on Christ, that means everything we do keeps Christ at the center, then that's how we should be living. That's what makes the church the church. Listen, I am so thankful to be a part of this church. We are God's holy people. That's our identity. Verse 10 says, all I have is yours and all you have is mine and glory has come to me through them. So if our identity is obedience and Christ is our savior, our purpose is glorifying God. Listen to me. I don't know why you thought you were coming here today. I don't know what you thought you were accomplishing today, but what we are here to do more than anything else is to glorify God, our Savior. That's, that's what we're here to do. We are here to glorify God. That's why we sing. We don't sing because we like to sing. We don't sing because we like the music. Hopefully, we like to sing and like the music. We sing... We praise, we read God's word, we fellowship for God's glory. That's the number one purpose of the church. In, in, this, in John chapter 17, verse 1, Jesus starts his prayer by saying, glorify your son, glorify me, that your son may glorify you. Glorify me that I can give you glory. This is Jesus' purpose, and it's our purpose to glorify God in everything we do. Verse 13, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. Let's talk about this. If our identity is obedience to Christ, Christ at the center, if our identity is obedience to God's word, if our purpose is to glorify God, guess what's gonna bring us the most joy? Fulfilling our purpose, glorifying God. The church, we as followers of Christ, will find joy when we accomplish our purpose, which is living for the glory of God. That's when you're going to find joy. The world is looking for joy in a lot of different places. And, and can I just be honest with you this morning that sometimes my focus Sometimes the place I look for fulfillment and joy is, is not the right place. I'm just, last week I was kind of discouraged. I don't know why. I, I, well, I do know why. It's because I wasn't focused in the right place. And all of a sudden last week, at the beginning of the week, I, I started to think these thoughts like, man, why is our church not growing more? Why are more people not coming? Why are we not responding more to God's word? And I started to think about all of these things, and it started to kind of steal my joy. And then I went to district assembly, and I was reminded, I was reminded of the ways that we have glorified God over the last year. If our focus is in the wrong place, we're going to miss out on joy because true joy is found in fulfilling our purpose of glorifying God. I got to tell you, the, the, the highlight, Scott Mishler, 
He used to attend here. For those of you that are new, Scott Mistral was a man that attended here and he was diagnosed with stage three cancer. And at Christmas time, we took an offering and blessed him through your generosity with covering his health cost. His biggest worry was the cost of his health care. And we were able to glorify God through loving and serving each other. And Scott Mishler stood up there in front of the whole district and he said, let me tell you what God's done this last year. And he started crying and he started yelling. And if you know Scott, like you know, he's just got so much energy and passion. And you know what I was doing? Anyone want to take a guess? I was crying. (laughs) Man, nothing gives me more joy. Nothing can give us more joy than living for the glory of God. We can have momentary success. We can can be excited about certain things, but the problem is if that's our focus and then those things go away, we lose our joy. But you can glorify God no matter what happens. In a pandemic, you can glorify God. When there's not as many people as you hope would be somewhere, you can glorify God. In tough times, you can glorify God, and guess what? You can have joy to the fullest if you're living for God's glory. So that's part one. What's our identity? We obey the word and we believe in Christ. What is our purpose? We are glorifying God. What will bring us joy? The greatest joy will be found when we're living for our purpose, glorifying God. Now, part two, let's talk about the mission. At this point, Jesus turns to our mission. Verse 15, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. So it would have been easy for Jesus. He knows he's going to the cross. He knows he's going to raise from the dead. He knows he's going to go to the Father. It would have been easy for him to say, hey, just give me all of my obedient people and let's get out of here. Forget this. Jesus doesn't pray that. He says, I'm not praying that you would take the obedient, the church, the disciples, I'm not praying that you would take them out of the world. I'm praying that you would protect them. Why does he pray that? Because we have work to do. The work of Christ is not done. And so he says, the church, don't take them out of the world, but protect them because they are in the world, but they are not of the world. Let's talk about that statement. That's an important statement. The church exists in the world, but we are not to be of the world. We talked a couple weeks ago about regeneration, about new life in Christ. Every single one of us at one point was of the world. We were selfish, we were sinful, all we could think about was what was around us and we belonged to this earthly kingdom. But when we are saved, we have new life in Christ and we are made new and guess what? All of a sudden, we're not of the world anymore. Last week, we talked about sanctification, that we can be made holy, that we can be Christ-like. And so we're not of the world anymore. That's not our kingdom anymore. God's kingdom is our kingdom. We're made new. So we're in the world because we have a mission, but we're not of the world. Verse 17, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is the truth. So the mission of the church is to be sanctified 
by God's word, that we would be set apart, that we would be cleansed, that we would be holy, that we would reflect the creator God, the church, not just individually. This isn't just a personal thing, but we are being built together to be the holy temple, and our mission, number one, is to be sanctified through God's word. Listen, the church is not always perfect. The church is being transformed, but if we are obedient to God's word, if we keep Christ at the center, if we live for God's glory, we as the body of Christ will be sanctified as his holy church. And then verse 18, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them. This is huge. Not only are we sanctified, but we are sent on a mission by Christ. So what was Jesus' mission? Someone shout it out. Help me out. I'll preach another 20 minutes. Help me out. <laughs> to save the lost, to redeem the world, to restore all things. That's the mission of Christ. And we are being sanctified. We are being sent to work towards the mission of Christ. He knows, he's praying right here to the Father, he knows that he is going to be with the Father. What happens when he goes to be with the Father? We, the people of God, the church, continue his work to redeem and restore. We have a mission. I, 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 I don't know how to get to this better. Our mission is not to come to the church and just be comfortable. Our mission is not to sing songs. Our mission is not to just look different. Our mission is to redeem and restore the world. It's too important. We're sanctified by his word and we are sent to continue his work. Every single one of us, we together as the church are called to further the mission of Christ. And there are people all around us that Jesus loves, that Jesus wants to save, that Jesus wants to give new life, and we have the mission to be a part of it. A couple months ago, we, we went through the blueprint of the church, and we gave out these magnets. These are called bless magnets. And what this says is begin with prayer. The idea of this is that you would put somebody's name on this magnet and that you would seek to, to accomplish the mission of Christ, to see somebody come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so we begin with prayer. We put someone's name right here and we begin praying for them. We listen with care, we listen to their story, we hear them, we eat together, we share meals together, we serve and love, we serve those people, and we share our story, the hope we have in Christ. We are on a mission. I want you to know that this wasn't just a passing thing. We want every single person to do this because we are called to more than sitting here on Sunday morning, we are called to change the world. And guess what? That's going to happen one person at a time. So I want to ask you, maybe some of you took this, maybe you've got it on your refrigerator, maybe you've been doing this, but maybe some of you missed that Sunday, or maybe some of you just walked out without it. They, these are all around the building at the entrances. I want to ask you to partner with Christ and continuing the work that he was doing here on earth by blessing 
the people around you. We are sanctified. We are sent. That's part two. What's our mission? It's to redeem and restore the world. God's power working through us, through the Holy Spirit in our lives to continue the work that Jesus did. Now let's look at the results. Verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Don't miss the power of this statement. Do you know what Jesus is saying here? He's, first off, he's saying, I'm not just praying for my disciples. I'm not just praying for this group. I'm praying for the people that will come to know me through this group. You know what that tells me? That tells me that if we, the church, are obedient to God's word, if our purpose is to glorify God, if we live for our mission, this tells me that people will come to know Christ. People will be changed. I got good news today. The mission that we are called to is not a futile mission. It is a victorious mission. And if the church will stay focused, if we stay on mission, if we remember what we're supposed to do, how we glorify God, guess what's going to happen? Other people are going to come to know Christ, and lives are going to be changed, and our world is going to be redeemed and restored. We have a mission, and if we will be faithful, others will believe the second result is is found in, um, I just put it away here, is found in verse 22, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be brought to complete unity. The first result of the church fulfilling the mission, living for the glory of God, sharing God's hope with others, the first result is that others will come to know God. The second result is unity. We will be one in Christ. Listen to me, there are far too many things that we get caught up in that can divide us as God's people. But if we will stay obedient to God's word, if we will keep God's glory as our main focus, we will be brought together as one. Hear me say this. The things that could divide us, the things that make us different, the things that could get in the way of the mission of God's glory are nothing compared to the things that unite us and bring us together. We're on a mission together. We're working together for God's glory and we can't get sidetracked by silly things that don't matter. We can't get sidetracked by less than the main thing. If we keep the mission, if God's glory is number one, if we're focused and centered in Christ, if we're obedient to the word, we will have a oneness and a unity unlike anything you've ever seen. Verse 23, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. The last result is that the world will see God's people, the church, and will know God's love. Who are we as the church? We are the holy people that are obedient to God's word. We are, we are centered in Christ. What, what's our purpose? To glorify God that with everything we have. What's our mission? To be sanctified and to be sent to continue the work of Christ. What will be the result? Lives will be changed. We will be one. And people will know the love of God.
This is a huge prayer. And one of the things I, I love most about it is that Jesus, who's praying this prayer, our Lord and Savior, has lived every bit of this. He was completely obedient to the Father. He had the Father's will at the center of everything he did. He lived for the glory of the Father. Verse 1, glorify me so that I can glorify you. He was on a mission. He gave everything. You have communion elements. I want you to go ahead and get them out, and I want you to start opening it up. One of the ways that we respond in the church, one of the ways that we worship together is by taking communion together, the sacrament of communion. Sacrament, sacrament means grace flows. And so one of the ways, and I think the most appropriate way to respond to a message to Jesus' prayer on the church is to take communion together. And so I want you to take the bread and the cup and I want you to know that in Matthew 26, Jesus met with his disciples just before he would be arrested. Before this, he met with his disciples and he said, this is my body that's broken for you. Listen, this, this isn't just a memory. This is who we are. This is where our identity comes from. This is my body that's broken for you. I want you to know today that Jesus loves you so much, his mission was to come to redeem and restore you. He says, take and eat. This is my body, take and eat, and know that you are loved. He takes the cup, and he says, this is the blood of my covenant poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This isn't just remembering God's love for us. This is understanding our mission to continue the work that Jesus did on the cross. And so as you take this cup in your hand, yes, we remember his love for us, but we are also called in to be the church, to be the holy people of God, to, to give everything, to be on mission for the forgiveness of sins, for the redemption of the world. As you take, drink. And know that God is calling you to continue this work in our world. Father, we love you today. And Jesus, we thank you for your death on the cross. We thank you for the life that you lived. We thank you for your love and your grace. We thank you that your mission was for us. But your mission wasn't just for us. You want to sanctify us and you want to send us because your mission is to redeem and restore our neighbors and our friends and the people around us. You want to redeem this world. And you've chosen your people, the church, as the avenue to do that. So Lord, continue to transform us, continue to shape us, help us to be your holy people. Help us to stay focused on our mission and help us to love and to bless the people around us so that the world can know you. We love you, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.